I'm having my one. Hello, listener, and welcome to the 23rd installment of the I'm Having My One podcast, a podcast we've created about board games. I'm joined today by Paul. Hello. And Tom. Hello there. And uh, I haven't actually thought of a witty 23-themed intro spiel, nor anything that's relevant to the game. So uh, I haven't looked either, but let's all have a guess at what the 23rd ranked game is in the BGG Top 100. Paul? Uh, um, Closest gets free coffee all weekend. I'm going to have a guess. Paul's taking ages. Wingspan. Okay. I'm going to go with Terraforming Mars. Okay. I'm going to go with, oh, I've got a bit blank now. Eclipse second order for the planet, because I'm looking at it. Okay, well, Terraforming Mars is sixth, so it's probably not going to be me. All right, through the magic of editing. Oh, Wingspan's 25th. <laughs> what did you go with, Noel? Eclipse second order for the galaxy. Uh, Eclipse is 71st. What? I was going to say it. No way, that could be that high. Eclipse, that was top 50 for ages. Oh, 22nd, sorry. Oh! What? Oh. Oh, he's definitely looked it up. He looked it up. He looked it up. Oh, how convenient. Oh, no, I'm just going to pick. I'm just going to pick the one next to the the number we want. I was very close to Clank as well. <laughs> wow. Well done, me. No, free coffee all weekend. Yeah, yeah well done. Look, look at you picking the, the prize that no one agreed on and the number that we should pick. And... <laughs> There's no trust in this podcast. Let's have some grapes. Oh no, they're too sour. You can you can have my sour grapes. <laughs> so in today's episode, we're going to have a little chat about what we've just played, which was Clank, the uh, deck building adventure game. We're going to have a little chat about what we've played since our last recording, our usual six of the best segment, and our main topic uh, this evening is going to be all about the upcoming UK Games Expo happening uh, next weekend, if you're listening to this on the day of release. So strap in, sit down, and we'll see you after the dinner nabbit. I like we're strapping in before we sit down. Yeah. <laughs> That's the way that, that works. <laughs> strap yourself in right now, challenge, sit down. Yeah. <laughs> Hank. A deck-building adventure came out in 2016, designed by Paul Denon and published by Direwolf and Renegade Games. This uh, two-to-four-player deck-building dungeon delver finds players trying to navigate through a castle dungeon and on into the depths below in search of treasure and glory. The aim of the game is to get in, grab yourself a relic, and get out alive. Relics all have different victory point values, which, combined with your money and VPs on certain cards will all add up to your final score, as well as a juicy bonus for simply making it out alive. The first player to leave the dungeon triggers the end game sequence, uh, having awoken the dragon below, and play then carries on for as many uh, as four more turns, whereby any player who's not made it out alive yet gets turned into dragon food. So your question is, do I go for the shallow, low point scoring, easily accessible relic, or dash uh, and then dash for the exit, or do I push my luck and delve deeper for the treasures below? Uh, so this is a deck building game um, with, uh, first of all, I reckon some uh, some really, really great looking cards. I really enjoy the artwork here. Uh, so on your turn, you'll play your hand of uh, five cards, um, and that will uh, give usually some sort of combination of money to spend in the shop, 
boots with which you can move your meeple around the little map and swords that you can use to fight the various monsters in the deep. Once you've done all of those things, you can then use your uh, your 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 money to buy new cards or new adventurers or new artifacts or, or you know, pieces of equipment uh, into your card based hand. There's also uh, like an actual market market where you can use the in-game gold currency to buy additional items, whether that's crowns for extra victory points, keys to unlock locked doors or bags to allow you to carry extra relics. Um, and then you can, uh, yeah, you can uh, fight the uh, the monsters um, that come with it. All the while running away from the big bad of the dungeon, which is the dragon. If ever the market deck is replenished with a dragon icon on one of the cards, then it triggers a dragon attack. All uh, noise cube, which uh, cubes, which may have been generated throughout the game, then go into a big crushed velvet black bag along with some generic black tokens. And then you're going to pull a number of those cubes back out. If you pull one of your own color, you take damage. There's quite a few expansions for the core game. Uh, it's got a space themed variant. Uh, it's got a legacy variant called Acquisitions Incorporated. Uh, and, and speaking from firsthand experience, I rate this very, very highly as a, uh, as a legacy game. And then recently last year, uh, Clank Catacombs came out where you build the dungeon as you go. Chaps, what did you think? Uh, I really like Clank. I think it's a very well-designed game that gets that moving and exploring dungeon balance nicely with the sort of deck building element. I think you're sometimes at the mercy of the market deck. Um, think back a couple of episodes when we played Dominion. Obviously, you know exactly what's there, so you can kind of plan what you're doing. But, mm. you know, there are high value movement cards there's also cards that give you extra clank with normally some extra bonuses but they only really work if you chain a few of them together so obviously if they don't come out all together in that market deck then you can kind of you know scup yourself early on but but all in all i think it's a very very well designed game and as you say the artwork's brilliant that tension of drawing the cubes out of the bag is fantastic so much fun i know but before before we move on too far, so actually going back to the market, someone as as someone who's played quite a bit of this game, I actually thought tonight was quite unique in that there were there seemed to be a lot of movement cards out early, so we all kind of stacked up on movement cards, um, and then towards the the sort of mid game, none of us had really grabbed too many swords, and then we just had loads of monsters come out. So for the last like third of the game, there were four monsters visible, and none of us really did much about it until that last turn or two when you're collecting in some uh, some points. So I'd actually written it in my notes. It's interesting to hear you say that because I'd written it into my notes whether this was a bit of an atypical game. It was not quite as I was expecting the flow of the game. I'll expand on what I mean on that in a minute, maybe. But is this is the game that we had quite unusual? I think it is. I think that we all had a little bit too much movement. Right. Because we didn't get to enjoy that end game race. Like like we didn't, we all we all got out basically on the same turn. Yeah. So normally there's this real pressure of like, oh crud, Paul's made it out to the top, to the overworld. Yeah. And I'm still stuck like two tiers down in the dungeon. And now I've got four turns to make it out alive. And I'm trying to get cycle through my deck to get those boot cards. Every time it gets back to Paul's turn, there's a mandatory dragon attack on top of any of the other, yeah. you know, and it really feels like you're Indiana Jones and you've like, you've got that ball chasing you out of the dungeon, right? It's, it's really, really good. And I would say that we kind of somehow missed out on that in this particular playthrough, but yeah, that that what you've described was what I was expecting as a little 
bit of a kind of rush towards the end that some, you know, when the end game is triggered, some people wouldn't get out. Uh, some people would just make it by the skin of their teeth. You know, a bit of tension. It was one of the things that I think I need to play this game again because I'm not sure I saw it at its best just now. Um, there were some good bits in it. It wasn't what I had understood the game was going to deliver. So fair enough that that maybe was just a uh, a nuance of the game that we played. I'd almost say that's the, out of all of the plays, that's the least tense it's ever been in the end game. Yeah, it was just sort of a, a merry little trot out of the, um, <laughs> out of the dungeon, wasn't it? <laughs> Dragon somewhere in the distance. Ah, don't worry about that guy. Yeah. It's interesting you were saying about the movement, but I wonder if we were too, too cautious as well. Um, but it didn't seem like there was a lot left on the board. I, I get that we could have maybe spent more time in the market, had more gold, and then bought more things there. But I think all but one of the relics had gone. All but one of the... Had all the monkey relics but, gone? I honestly... I, I I think that that all gets attributed to that there was just loads of movement cards at the start of the game. We shouldn't have got that deep that quickly. Is that a bit broken then? You know, if that can happen, that you can end up having a game, it's just a bit like... I mean, that's happened one in 50 plays for me, I'd say. Then it's broken, damn it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think there are problems with that style of deck builder game. I mean, we've had it in Star Realms, Hero Realms, um, and I've had it in Clank before, not necessarily in that situation, but very early on, they're all extremely high-value cards, and we just didn't have enough of the in-game currency to mm. clear through the deck, and it just made it a painful slog moving like... One again, it was time, not getting any money, not, you know. Yeah, again, it was something that I'd written down as a note, is that there wasn't anything where there was like a progression of the deck that you were going through, right, um, that I was aware of anyway. You can think of something like the Quest for Eldorado, the, the more expensive cards. You know, you're going to get that with any deck builder. You can get it with June where you get the cards that are all too expensive. I think it's just the nuance of playing a deck building game. But but. Sure. With sure. that, it you know it can very easily be a unique experience even after you know multiple 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 plays. Yeah, yeah, yep. and it, it was quite good for me. On, I felt on the back of playing Dominion uh, a couple of weeks ago, the the vague bits I can remember from that game clearly. Um, the to play another deck builder that was unlike that game, just wasn't just cards. We were actually doing something with it more like we've seen deck. I've seen deck building elsewhere. Um, it was it was great to have that comparison. You said you were a fan of the artwork on this one. I quite like the cartoony theme, and I don't know if that's because I've then played. So, um, Clank Legacy is very much a like a story and, and an adventure in and of itself, mm. and I think it does a good job of very whimsically playing on a lot of the D and D tropes. You know that you're the adventuring party, and you know you're delving into the dungeon and all of that kind of stuff. But all of the all of the text in the legacy experience is quite whimsical and i think yeah. it's the same with the the text on all the cards you know if the text wasn't whimsical then the cartoon the cartoony drawings would be out of place but I yeah think i think for me it's just it's a preference thing that i don't think i'm not a massive fan of of that more cartoony look of fantasy for whatever reason um but i, I do agree i like the little descriptions that you have on the cards it sort of fits into that you know, Munchkin adjacent tongue in, in cheek version of um, of of D and D, right? I think it's a really good family game. I think it's. A, mm -hmm. I think it's. I think you can get kids playing this from quite a young age. I reckon. I would have thought so. Yeah. So what else? What else is there to like about the game? I I like the time that it takes. Right, it's super quick. Yeah, forty five minutes. Is it? So yeah, we. I mean, we, um, I think we might have done it in, in less than that. 
um, because of the, the reasons that we were describing before. But 45 minutes is, is common right, to be able to play that in that sort of time. Yeah, hour maybe, but yeah. Yeah, we usually get through it in about 45 minutes, maybe 45 minutes, three-player, hour, four-player. Yeah. I was surprised how few, again, maybe it's just the cards that came out, but few opportunities there were to um, discard cards out of your hand altogether, trash them rather. That's something that always, you know, I always really like to see is the ability to actually then refine your deck, to manage it really, um, to not just be doing the building where it's just getting this bigger, 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 bigger. Um, you know, sure, you can you can be that that guy who maybe chooses not to buy and that's sensible <laughs> to not buy every single time. But but I love a game that gives you good opportunities to just go, yeah, that's a terrible card, get rid of it. Yeah, I feel I feel like not enough deck builders satisfy that need to thin your deck out, right? Mm. I think the reason for it in Clank, and I might be wrong, is there aren't many cards that give you the Clank cubes, which are essentially going to damage you if they come out of the bag later on in the game. Mm-hmm. I suppose if you gave too many options to um, to get rid of the cards that are giving you Clank, then then essentially sure. you're never going to be putting anything in you're the bag. So then there's yep. no jeopardy for stuff being pulled out. Yeah, right, that's so true. I, so I bought that one card that was like trash a burgle card if it's in your play area, but it was then specifically only thinning out those burgle cards. But, you know, it's still useful. I think I got rid of three by the end of the game. But yeah, I think you're right. You can't just put a free for all in because getting rid of those making clank cards has got to be such a big, significant deal, right? Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, I think that's a good point. There's a common negative about the whole like grab and run tactic being the meta as it were, that, you know, just just load up on boots, grab the nearest shrine and get back out again and let the game kill the other players. Um, So so I could have done that this game. I was very high on boots early on and I was was by that five. I thought I wasn't going to do that. You know, it's Tom's first time. He hadn't even made it into the depths yet. It took me ages to get down into the actual dungeon. You you (laughs) had a really good speedy start and then you kind of stalled, didn't you? And Mm. I guess that's the fun sometimes of deck builders and also the frustration is if you don't get the the hand that allows you to do what you need to do, you can get stuck for a couple of turns, which really slows you down. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's a a very common mistake I make. Although that being said, there's nothing funnier than a player like moving into say it's like a one-way dead end into a like an ice cavern that's got a big secret token on it but it costs two boots to get in there and then you watch the next player get stuck for like three turns because they keep just getting one boot at a time that's great it's great when it's not you I remember once playing with Louise and she teleported into a room that had a locked door on either side and I was like that's you've You've literally just stuck yourself until you can get through your entire deck and pull that one card back oh, out. No. Offered her a one, she didn't want to take it. I had to have a one in this in tonight's game as uh, as Paul was being a little bit of a rules militant, um, which was fair, just the uh, in the turn order. So uh, I had, uh, in theory, I, I elected to escape the dungeon uh, before spending my money on a final secret tome. So I did have to take a one. It wasn't a rules goof one. Which was a game-winning one as well. Yeah, yeah. Although in the in the grand scheme of of like impact that the one has on the the actual, like it wasn't like I was like, okay, I'm going to take that dude back and put that card back and reset that and reset this. That's my excuse anyway. I'm sticking to it. <laughs> is it is it a winnable game then? 
I think as long as you haven't started flipping over extra cards, you know, like if it's just, oh, sorry, I meant to go here, not here, or or, or in this instance where it's just like, oh, sorry, I would have done that in a different order, actually. Yeah, I think probably, yeah, sure, 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 sure. But then that you don't have a lot of, um, I suppose you, I was thinking, like, it's not like you play the card down and then that's the order that you do it in, right? It's you just play the whole hand and then those are your resources effectively to do what you want. I guess, sure, you may go down a certain route and then realise, I oh, know it would be better if I went the other way for, for whatever, so sure, yeah, you know, small things like that. But it's not a real sort of thinky game, right? It's it, It's real... Kind of just quick. Those that's what you've got. Four boots of you. Yep. Alrighty. So scores on the doors. Tom, how did you rate that as your first experience? I thought it's really difficult to score this one. Um for the reasons we were describing before, I think that that that's not a typical game of, of Clank. Um I think for now I'm gonna sit it at a seven point five. I thought it was enjoyable, quick, um, you know, quite fun. Um, but it, it didn't really have what I was expecting from it. So so yeah, seven point five. Yep, that definitely sits in the keen-to-play-it-again category. So, Paul? Yeah, I think I really like this game. Um, I've kind of stolen Neil's copy, um, so I'm keeping that forever now. <laughs> I like the game. I don't quite think it's an eight for me, just because if I weigh it up with other deck-building games, although I really enjoy playing Clank every time we do it, I think I, I'm more drawn to different deck-builders than I am to Clank. But I'm, I think it's it's nearly an eight, so I'm going to give it a because I gave I gave Dominion an eight, and I prefer Dominion to this, so I'm going to give it a seven point eight. Okay, representative of the eight, still good. Yeah. What did I score Dominion? Nine. No, seven point five. Yeah. Um, okay, so for me, I think it's an eight point four. Whereas I don't quite think it's an 8.5, but it's definitely more than an 8 for me. Uh, The thing that really bumps it up is how the deck building and the cards then relate to the board play as well. I think think that's just really, really smart. Um, I definitely know that Clank Legacy, I think I've scored that as like a 9 or a 9.5. So um, I think I'm pretty well bought in on the franchise. So excellent. All righty. That was Clank. Definitely uh, recommend it. Let's uh, let's move on to the next bit of the thing that we're doing with the podcast. Racking outro. Well done. You're welcome. Alrighty. So, what else have we been playing since we last did a recording? Paul, do you want to kick us off with this one? Yeah, I have been playing Voyages, which is by Postmark Games, designed by Matthew Dunstan and Rory Muldoon. This is a print-and-play roll-and-write. We went away down to London with the kids last weekend, and I thought it was a good game to take with us because you're only bringing a couple of sheets of paper. We really enjoy this game. Essentially, what you're doing is navigating your boat around a predetermined map by rolling dice. You roll three dice... One is essentially added to your bonus pool to give you extra points and resources. One is for your movement and the other is for your direction. But out of those three dice, you choose which. When I first got the game and looked in at the rules, I thought it was really weird because everyone plays off the same map and everyone plays off of the same three dice. So I thought to myself, well, surely we'll all look at the optimum route and all just make the same decisions. There are extra bonuses as well to help you modify some of the dice rolls. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think we've we've had a couple of games now, and each time everyone's map looks completely different. 
going off the same role. So it it sort of changes that. Um, what's really good about this game is it's only four pounds to buy, which gives you uh, an access to the download. You need a printer, obviously, as well as PDFs for printing. It also provides you a JPEG image. So you can use online apps like Sketch and mm-hmm. then load that up and you can just draw it on there. So you don't even need to print anything. So you're not wasting any paper. You're not killing any trees, just burning electricity. So it depends where you get your power from, I suppose. It's hamster in the wheel. All good. Yeah. Um, all in all, I think it's a really fun game. At the moment, there are five different maps that you can play and they've all got slightly different rules as well to allow you to to play a slight variation of the game five times. Um, the other thing you get for your four pounds is if they add any more content to the game, any more maps or anything, then you don't need to buy that as an add-on. That's, you know, it's essentially free updates for as long as they do updates for the game, which I think is brilliant. Um, and, and in the world of, you know, we talked about, I think on the last podcast of so many games being over a hundred pounds, we had a lot of fun for four quid. Brilliant. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's, that's caught my eye. I like the look of that. That was Voyages. I really enjoyed that game. Um, I'd like to play it with you guys. There is a solo mode as well. And because it's a print and play and you're all playing off your own maps, you, you could play it with a thousand people if you like, I suppose. It doesn't matter how many players you've got. The the game is still going to take about the same amount of time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And to save on trees, it's maybe a bit plastic heavy, but also I was thinking of printing off a couple of, because I think the kids are really keen to play it quite a few times, printing off a couple of copies of the map, laminating them, and then just using the just one whiteboard markers. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's a good idea. Very good, very good. Uh, Tom, we're uh, we're going we're gonna to double team this next one a bit, really, because you and I had a little game together. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. I'll just very quickly do a honorable mention for Ticket to Ride Europe. We had a little game of that just before. And just to say what a great game that is, um, if there's a bit of time, maybe the expo <laughs> in between all the other games, um, I'd play that. It's just so easy to get out to teach to play and, and has a, a good challenge to it. It's been great to return to that one. But yes, our main thing was that we finally, as we've been promising, uh, got War of the Ring second edition off the shelf from, from Ares Games. We had a very kind of just learning kind of game, right, where there was some uh, looking back at the rules and slow. And, I don't know, what did we play for? A couple of hours, something like that? Yeah, and we'd, we'd, we'd agreed beforehand that, you know, we were just going to play until a certain amount of time and then we'd pack it up. A certain amount of time, then we added another 45 minutes onto that. Well, we that's fine, but it was, it was that, you know, nothing was ever finite. So I, I don't know about you, but I was certainly experimental with a couple of things that yeah. I wanted to try. It, it, it was a bit of a just, just have a go kind of game. So it didn't really matter. We didn't want to show our hands too much as well. I was slightly conscious of that. Like for when we play the real game, I don't want to show you what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so maybe that's why I split the uh, split the fellowship up so early. Was just Certainly, to right. see what would happen with Gollum as the leader. Oh, Tommy, <laughs> you're playing as the good guys. Look, there's no way that anyone can can call Sour on the good guys. <laughs> Take your empire and everything else, but. <laughs> <laughs> well, they gave him the one ring to rule them all, clearly for a reason, because they thought that he would have been the right man for the job. Gave him. But... Get your law right. He made it. He made it. Yeah, yeah, but you know, sometimes I have to write myself a Valentine's card, but it's fine. He, he gave himself the ring. Yeah, yeah. Birthday present. We all buy ourselves presents. Anyway. To, to Sauron, love Sauron. Podcast title. Enjoy. <laughs> enjoy, enjoy Middle Earth. Uh, yeah. 
And thanks for all the hobbits. <laughs> other other podcast title. Thanks for all the hobbits. <laughs> yeah, wasn't it good though? Wow. Oh, this this man, game. So good. I tell you what, I know we've been we've been exchanging text messages, but my goodness me, I've been thinking about this game daily since we played. It's, yeah. It was just it, it was it was really, really thematic. It mm-hmm. presented so it did a great job, certainly for me as the free folk. It um it did a great job of presenting just these impossible odds, right? Of either getting the ring to Mount Doom or to, you know, fending you off on the battlefield, which is surely just a losing battle because yeah, yeah. you know, so 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 just uh, as a bit of understanding of the mechanics, um Paul or listener, um, you know, Sauron's armies are, are infinite. You can just keep replenishing and keep recruiting. Um, whereas there are only a certain number of men, elves and dwarves in the world. So every time the free folk player takes a casualty, that's it. They're out of the game for the rest of the game. Yeah. So you can just see this reinforcements pool just dwindling, mm. um, which is quite scary. Yeah. Yeah. I and mean, it's, it's just that's I think there's mu- there is more. You know, with with Sauron, it's sort of the agony of choice. If you've got so much you can do as the as the shadow player, sorry, um, that there, you know, do you do you attack that? Do you do this? And and I think it's possibly just the the decisions are, you know, don't you've got a lot, but still you can't do everything. Um, you're limited by the the action dice that you've got, but the decisions on the free folk side so much more agonizing. I think of of do you commit your resources um to just moving the the fellowship there's this whole mini mini game right of moving um the the fellowship with the ring down 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 trying to get through to to mordor which is just brilliant in itself um but do you do that every turn if you do it multiple times a turn you kind of you get uh extra uh corruption to those guys which is is ultimately a, a game ending position for the the free free people's so- that intertwines so nicely with the other mechanics because then that makes you spend dice, which are your actual, we'll come back onto the dice in two seconds, but then that makes you spend your dice to, to work on the hunt versus then, you know, otherwise you might, those are the same dice that you might use to move an army or to initiate a battle or to whatever. And oh. if, you, if you've sucked four dice into the hunt or you've rolled the, the search icon, yeah, then you can't use those. So, so just very, very quickly, um, let's chat about those action dice. So, Mm-hmm. You get what seven? I get four to start with. Uh, something of that, yeah, something like that, yeah, yeah. And on each of those die faces has got a different type of action. So it might be a muster or an army action or a character action or an event card or a, a search, you know, a hunt icon if you're the shadow player. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then with each of those icons, you've got a few different actions that you can take. So if it's like the army action, you can move or um attack if it's the muster action you can recruit or advance politically if it's you know blah 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 um but then there is you know that 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 kind of that hunt mechanic so the more dice you're committing to the hunt to find the ring the fewer actions you've got elsewhere which i thought was really really good yeah 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 really, really smart the uh the, the the committal of of the from the shadow player of do you throw some dice in because the order in which you have to do it, do you throw some dice into that hunt box early on? Um, which could mean that if you don't, the free folk player has, has a bit of a free reign, but do you do that? And then you roll some dice afterwards and then you find out, Oh no, I rolled three dice that have to go in the hunt box anyway. And then you've only got three action dice left um, to, to be, to be playing with that turn. Brilliant. I'm sure there's a load of rules that we're absolutely hitting the post on at the moment. And um 
uh, and things that we don't understand or, or nowhere near the best strategies for this moment but it just looks like so much fun and i cannot wait for us to to be bringing this to the table again there is one downside to it for me so far which is the difficulty of of telling the different factions apart right particularly for your um side they, they have these beautiful little minis in this game which going back to our conversation about minis a few weeks ago uh this is a game that is, that is made for minis i think but they are really quite similar and you've either got one hell of a task to paint them all up or as you said like paint the bases or something like that because they're not quite dissimilar enough you you have to get to the point where you're you're looking at the shield on this three well, no, i'm looking for centimeter of like is that yeah. a, a horse of rohan or is that a yeah. white tree of gondor you know um yeah so i guess we'll look forward to maybe we'll do a little bit more about it once we've had the actual playthrough and we can talk about how the story that was created when we actually play it all right so that's what we've been playing if you uh would like to uh, tell us what you've been playing uh, in the last couple of weeks, then slide on into our DMs on Instagram at I'm underscore having underscore my underscore one uh, or on Twitter at I'm having my one and we'll look forward to uh, hearing all about it. Alrighty, so now we come on to our six of the best uh, segment where we are looking at the board game geek hotness of the, uh, the top 50 hottest movers and shakers in their uh in their rankings and that's based on uh youtube searches clicks uh and various kind of interactions within the bgg website uh so who's going to kick us off here tom do you want to start yes absolutely so the first one i picked was arc nova marine worlds this is the expansion to uh, that big hit game from 2022 last year arc nova a little while since we've spoken about that uh, and this is the set collection game uh, with that hay stack of cards to search through. In this particular expansion, though, the Marine Worlds, we're focusing on the aquarium bit of the zoo, uh, where you're adding new animals and some nice sounding combo activation mechanics, which sounds cool. Uh, what's nice is that the designers do seem to have recognized the flaw that they've created in their game of that ridiculous big deck. Um, and tried to deal with this issue by um, having mechanics that allow you to cycle through the deck more quickly. I was doing a little bit of looking around on what people's opinions are on Ark Nova these days, and I think there's there's a, a house rule that people are, are putting in place where you, you get all the sets, split them out, and then you take out half of them. So you, you, you have that great deck of cards, you, you remove the bears, the the snakes, whatever. Um, so it becomes easier to to build your, your sets in there. Anyway, uh, the card art on this one, I, such as I've been able to see anyway, I think it's quite nice, similar sort of pattern. There's some, some good stuff in Ark Nova, I think, in there. Um, it doesn't fall too much into the terraforming Mars territory of, uh, of mixed card art. Um, I do think they cram quite a lot onto those cards, though. That there's a lot of iconography going on there. Um, which which I think it does. There are some challenges for for learning the game for that, um, just the base game even. Um, for me, it definitely falls into the just more stuff level of expansion, um, which if you're a real Arc Nova fan, then you'll probably love it. Uh, but otherwise, it might be one to swerve, I think. The expansion is out this year. Uh, they're targeting Essen in the autumn uh, with pre-orders, uh, which have gone live from Capstone 
Games website in the last week or so, and they're about $30 or $29.95 to be precise for those pre-orders. Excellent. Nice. Yeah, I, I can, I can, what's Ark Nova up to now? Fourth? I think so, yeah. Um, in the in the in the BGG top 100, so this is going to fly off the shelves no matter what happens, right? I would have thought so. I would have thought so. It's just people really lapped it up. It's just that game that got talked about, hugely in demand, and I don't know. I don't know. People seem to accept the problems or have created ways to get around the problems that allow them to to continue to do that thing that I think maybe attracted all of us to start with about being able to build your own zoo. Yeah. Am I just not much of an expansionist? Because even like, even the terraforming Mars, you know, there's so many expansions for that, that I'm a bit like, oh, I'll just play it with the base game. I don't know. I think it for me, it's if you love the game, then I think you just see past the idea of it just being more stuff. Paul, should we go to you next? Can do. Uh, so I've been looking at The Witcher Old World, which is just having Kickstarter deliveries out. People are starting posting up some of the games they've been playing. Um, this is by uh, CD Projekt Red, who do the video games and go on board. Uh, it's from one to five players. It looks very much like Skyrim. Um, however, it is more competitive. So you're going around trying to find uh, complete quests and obtain trophies. And whoever gets to the four to six trophy mark with their character is then going to be declared the winner. Uh, guys, what do you think? I agree. It looked very like Skyrim, I thought, looking at the um, the map and everything. And I all right. Some differences, I suppose, but your little player boards and so on really reminded me of um of, of the Skyrim game that we played. But I guess it's probably one of those that which which of those IPs do you care more about? Um, do you really need both of them? I don't know. I think gameplay wise, they're quite different, right? The um sure, I yeah, which is as much of a story. No, it's no, it's it's more of a you know one and off you go. It's going to take you two to three hours probably to. To sort right. of play through it so it's, it's not a little game it's definitely going to be a big game but mm. yes you're more quest driven rather than story driven in this okay but it's a heck of an ip to get involved in right oh it looks amazing like i've read a couple of the books the books are fantastic i've played the witcher 3 for countless hours um <laughs> I've, I've watched the tv series do you know it's it's all really good it, it's all really engaging so it, it's a really really tough one it's looking like you'll probably be able to pick it up for between 65 and 70 pounds which for the amount of minis in the box the kind of the size of the game it seems like quite a reasonable price um they need to do a giveaway where you get to sit down and play it with henry cavill because he's like the king of the nerds now right that's true right yeah. he would love it if you just just dm him on uh twitter or something and uh <laughs> be right there he'll be over well he's not got anything else to do right because he's not in uh he's not superman or the witcher or anything anymore is he so no that was the witcher thank you excellent next all righty so i uh was very much interested in apex legends the board game now i don't know how much of a niche thing this is apex legends is a video game um I didn't know whether to mention this on in the hotness or uh, or whether to do a little crowdfunding segment because this is just launched as a Kickstarter. Um, Apex Legends is a hugely popular uh, free to play video game by EA. 
Um, and uh, who's the other game studio that's involved with it? Respawn Entertainment. Um, and this is a battle royale game that pits teams of three into this big like arena combat in 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 sort of that full BR mode. Um, this is the officially licensed board game that's being produced by Glass Cannon, uh, Glass Cannon Unplugged, um, with the backing of Respawn and uh, Respawn and EA. It's going to pit two to four players against one another over this modular terrain board in the center of the table. Um, much like the video game, the play area gradually shrinks as the game goes on, so it forces uh, interaction and combat between players. So you know you've kind of got this this yeah, think that kind of battle royale movie, and you just got this shrinking zone forcing you all into the middle um, until one team stands victorious. Um, I'm I'm a huge fan of the game. I've racked up hours and hours and hours on end, so I'm I'm instantly into this, um, and it really looks like they've captured the feel of it as well. Um, I'm going to be intrigued to see, because I feel like Apex Legends is quite a niche game, though. I don't like, I feel like people can be into video games and still not do that because I think you've really got to be into that kind of BR thing to to, to, to be into it. Um, so I would be keen to see what it's like for non-video game fans playing the game as to whether it works, you know, as, as to whether it merits the kind of the time and investment in it. Um, it's got great looking minis. So I think it's, it's one of those games that definitely is going to need minis because it is a tactical combat game. Um, mm -hmm. All the minis are obviously based on your favorite characters from the game. Um, the uh, the game doubles down on the minis uh, and actually gives every single character its own individual diorama because <laughs> in the whole game, it's kind of like, uh, Paul, you'd know it kind of like Overwatch in that there's like 15 characters. Yeah. And each character's got a couple of special abilities. So it's very much like, and I think the idea is that you've got like this diorama tray and then you've got like an interchangeable, like you can put your character in and then the backing. So you can put like Bloodhound's character in and then put like the birds in the back and stuff that is kind of iconic little thing. But then that diorama also doubles down as your, like your little card holder for the cards that, that then you're going to be using in play. I think it does a good job, though, because all of the modular terrain is then cardboard. So, so yes, you're going to have the inflated cost from the minis, but actually the minis look great. And then you're kind of saving money elsewhere with cardboard terrain. Um, each character, as I mentioned, have got unique powers and abilities, um, which can be used on their own. Or certainly I'll be interested to see if they've recreated a bit of the game drama here, where sometimes people kind of find nice clicks between the characters so so just just giving a really really lazy example bloodhound's main ability is that he kind of goes through this like this grayscale site and now enemies like appear as this red outline blur which is great because then you, it makes enemies easier to see and if you combine that with bangalore who's got like a smoke grenade well now you've got a guy who can see enemies through smoke and that's like a really really good combo i'll be really interested to see if the game kind of matches that as well um because that's not something that sounds very easily to easy to to um to to replicate. Um, I've been watching the uh, promo video for this Kickstarter. Um, I can't I can't tell you how much it looks and feels like the video game. So I can't wait to see more. Um, I am uh, again. I don't want to ruin anything we're going to be talking about later, but I'm desperately hoping that there'll be some sort of demo copy for this at UKGE because uh, I'm currently holding off backing it, hoping that I might be able to get a play in um so yeah, cool. yeah. watch this yeah i don't i don't know much about it at all um but know of 
the the game um the the video game peripherally and, and know that it's very popular and have heard other people very excited about this one yeah it's that typical like hotness thing where <laughs> i saw that the kickstarter launch i was like yeah whatever and then I looked into it today and almost instantly backed it so <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah i've uh, i've i've held off but that um so today uh, as of the time of recording is may the 19th and there's still like 18 or 19 days left of the campaign cool all righty uh tom what else have you been looking at Yes, I've been looking at Disrupt. It's a new game that's uh, hopefully coming out this year, more on that in a second, based on the startup life in Silicon Valley. Stood out to me, this is broadly the world I work in for the day job. The game is on Kickstarter uh, with about two weeks to go at the time of recording. I'm watching the campaign page. It feels like a reasonably good-looking, slightly tongue-in-cheek, but also to me slightly convoluted game as well. Um, players are taking different roles here so you've got like the startup entrepreneur entrepreneur and angel investor and so on um, which have unique ways to play and to win and you're using work placement card play some auction play and negotiating here um, but it appears like there's a bit of players needing to work together uh, up to a certain point to achieve victory and certainly you can go the other way and, and screw people over to, to to ruin it for them it seems uh, which is quite interesting um, it is on tabletop simulator right now if you want to have a go uh, I think there there is something that, that is quite appealing about this but but yeah from from what I've seen um, it felt a bit convoluted in terms of the the gameplay um, it's one of those things that when you have a game that's being a bit tongue-in-cheek, it can be funny to a point, but it's kind of a, a, a bit where, you know, they've got logos in there that are quite clearly like a parody of Netflix and Facebook and stuff. And I get to a point with those kind of things where I go, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's not, it, it's kind of, it's kind of a, oh yeah, well done kind of moment. Anyway, the Kickstarter is there, targeting delivery by the end of the year. They had a very low target, so it must be really cheap for them to produce this one. Um, that target at the end of this year feels ambitious to me, but who knows um, if they've got it going already and, and uh, ready to, to hit production. Uh, there is just one pledge level um, to receive the game at about £40 plus £15 or more on shipping. Um, so it's not... A, particularly cheap game um so yeah that's disrupt i think i think it could be an interesting one to have a play around with but i'm not leaping out to to get it this 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 part of it just frustrate me a little bit um the the good thing is now though with this game coming out we've essentially created the what we do outside of podcast trinity so we've got dog walking the game playing with wood the game and working in an office the game I was yeah. going to say it's like wearing a blue shirt. The game. <laughs> it's the, the ongoing uh, quiz of, of what it is that Tom actually does. Maybe I do nothing. It's all made up. Not a clue. Don't care either. Do you? Not particularly. <laughs> no. My wife works in an office, and I don't know what she does either. Leave the house, come back. Supposedly have some money. I love that that office is your bedroom as well. <laughs> <laughs> She has to go into an actual office occasionally as well. Yeah, in Malaysia. Yeah. Excellent. Paul, next. My final choice is Dead Cells, uh, the roguelite board game. 
It's published by Scorpion Mask uh, and is just finishing up on Kickstarter now. Um, if you backed any of the pledges, they started at about 55 quid. Um, and then for the deluxe pledge went up to about 70 quid. There is that and then about 10 to 15 pounds of shipping on that as well. So it does get the price up slightly. This is a, a dungeon crawler based on a computer game. I've never played this computer game, but never the dungeon crawler looks interesting where you're choosing your path through the dungeon getting to different rooms that will either have shops where you can buy things. It might have some monsters for you to fight. But the the primary goal is to get to the end of the dungeon and then fight the boss. However, on your first play in the in the game, you, you're going to die, which doesn't sound great. But <laughs> the, the nice thing about the way this game works is you're supposed to die. Because when you die, you can then add permanent upgrades to your character. So much like this kind of dungeon crawly game where you, you know, you're working your way through, as you die, your your character is getting better and better. So as they progress through the game after dying half a dozen times or so, hopefully they'll then be strong enough to kill the big boss at the end. Did you say sorry who this is uh, designed by? Did you notice? Scorpion Musk. Uh, designer specifically. Oh yeah, there are designers as well. Yeah, Seven Wonders Man, Antoine Bowser. Oh uh, okay. I thought you were just trying to make me pronounce the no uh, other guy <laughs> because I do that to you every episode. I've, I've got no mispronunciation issues this time. The the artwork looks very good on it. Um, hmm. It's you know stylized, it isn't it? it? Yeah, it, it's nothing to do with them, but it looks quite like um, so you've been eaten. Doesn't it? Yeah, the especially with the colorings and stuff. Yeah, sure, color palette. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Um, I I think it's one to look out for. I think it's one I would be interested in playing. I think at the moment, especially when you add on international shipping, it might get a bit pricey. So hmm. potentially see what happens once this finishes and and gets gets to it. I mean, it's absolutely smashed its thirty k goal. Uh, and is sitting on about 409k. Yeah, so it has, isn't it? Wow. It should be yeah. all right. Yeah. I don't think they need my 60 quid, but it is one I'd like to play. And and actually, after seeing it, maybe I'll have a look at the computer game as well. Excellent. Thanks for that, Paul. You're welcome. So my second game, I feel a little bit, I, I don't feel like I can just say the words for this. So I'm hoping that you guys can help me out with a little bit of an intro here. So I'm going to sing it. Yeah, pick. Let's pick higher or lower. Tom, higher or lower? Lower. Okay. Paul, I want you to say ba ba da ba 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 da ba 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 ba. Higher. Ba ba da ba 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 ba. Little bit higher. Ba ba da ba ba ba. Okay, keep that going. Ba ba da ba. On loop. All right, Tom, you're coming in now with the. Star Wars Unlimited. Right, there we go. Zoom choirs always work really well, don't they? So, Star Wars Unlimited, my goodness me, Fantasy Flight have announced a behemoth. I think this is going to be 
their next biggest thing by quite some shot. So uh, coming to a galaxy far, far away, uh, as far away as 2024, to be precise, uh, FFG have just started to tease info on their upcoming trading card game, Star Wars Unlimited, which is hailed to be uh, a fast-paced, dynamic game which is both easy to learn and strategically deep. This game features iconic heroes, villains, ships, and settings from all facets of the legendary Star Wars franchise, including movies, TV series, comics, video games, and everything in between was the official kind of release that they said. Now, first off, I think that's fascinating that they are um, going to be bringing everything into the uh, into the one game here. I don't know about you. Like, I know that between us, there's certainly like I know that uh, both of you have watched all the Clone Wars stuff. So yeah, it sounds like it's going to be a big deal for them. I love that they're bringing everything together into one place. Uh, at its heart, it's going to be a one v one battle style game, um, which, like I say, is meant to be very fast paced. Uh, players uh, will be able to build their own decks and battle off against one another. Um, Currently not a huge amount known about this, but there have been a couple of streams direct from Fantasy Flight Games on YouTube going through the core design. Uh, the base set will apparently be about 250 cards, um, which incidentally is about the same size as the Netrunner core set, if that helps give anyone context. Um, players will elect one hero uh, and um, and one base to duke it out across two different theatres of war. So there'll be like one side of the table will be for your land battle and then the other side for your space battle. And they'll both be occurring simultaneously. Um, I'll be interested to see what order you play your cards down, because I wonder if sometimes you might be hamstrung of like, all oh, like I really need to deal with this threat that's going on in space, but I need to play this land. Like that would be an interesting choice um, if that comes into it. Um, this is what they refer to as a trading card game. Um, I appreciate that none of us have got too much um, experience with these. So uh, apologies in advance if we get anything majorly wrong. Um, but you can expect to be seeing lots of like booster packs, um, you know, cellophane wrapped packs of cards where you're going to be gambling and vying for different rarities. Uh, imagine that each pack will probably have a shiny or something and a couple of, you know, rares or whatever. So think like Magic the Gathering and Pokemon. Um, I've played a few LCGs, so living card games, um, but I guess what they're going for here is the potential to, to do like draft tournaments. So I know that with magic, it's a thing that you can like go and play draft tournaments where you just got a sealed pack and then you open the pack and play the game and react based on the cards that you've got. So I think that, um, I think that that type of play is often, um, much preferred to kind of, because things like Netrunner, I think you can find like clicky metas quite easily where it's like you've got Dave who's played the same deck every day of his life for, you know, for for God knows how long. And and he knows exactly how everything synergizes and like in, you know, it takes away that ability to 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 be the meta player in that example. Um, I don't know if you guys have got any thought on that, but. No, I mean, I think... we play a bit of Magic the Gathering at home, um, but haven't really got into like building your decks and there are people that buy some cards for actually silly money. Um, yeah. So, so that they have the best possible deck for the, you know, for tournaments and stuff. We don't really do that. We've essentially got a couple of pre-made decks. We don't tend to tweak them and we just play them like you would any other sort of card game. Um, so yes, this looks really good. I've never been that interested in, 
having to buy boosters so your decks are more fun. I mean, if they do just, as you say, like a core set where you can have a couple of decks and, and play from there, I might be interested. But actually, of of all of the Star Wars stuff that's come out, I mean, this seems to be getting such massive hype. But it's... It was just the thing that was introduced at their latest Fantasy Flight Live um, YouTube uh, announcement, right? And, and so I think it's had a lot of heat in the last week or so but i don't know i just i find that all a little bit lame of the it's like the old panini stickers yep. football stickers from when you were a kid that you'd i remember once uh i don't know being about 10 or something on the way to school and probably um asking my dad about oh, you know could, I, could we just go to the post office and buy another one of these and my dad, being my dad, um, decided to calculate out with me the likelihood and of uh, being able to get all the different ones that I needed and how much it was going to cost. Uh, so we didn't end up going to the post office that time. Because uh, <laughs> it's just ridiculous. It was just so much money. And I also don't understand it as a... Uh, I mean, it's Fantasy Flight and it's Star Wars. They'll sell a load. Of course, the strategy is they're just going to make a load of money. But they put out just la- this year, rather, the Star Wars... The deck building game. I, I don't quite get the the strategy there from them as a business, apart from making a load of money. Um, of of what what they're trying to do with this is that is that mean that I know it's a different sort of thing, but they don't really care about the deck building game anymore. I know all the people who bought that. It's just go. That's it. There you go. That's done. Are they supporting multiple of these at the same time? How does that work? Are they they're prioritizing this new thing? Or not? It's, I don't know. It's, it's, it's a, a deck building game, like a one and done. Like, like it is a started and finished product in one go. Like, I know with this uh, with this TCG, they've they've got three major expansions planned just within the first year. <sighs> I'm really torn because it is it's it's a big cash grab with these things, right? It is just encouraging people to spend silly money trying to farm boxes of little cards until mm. they find the right shiny t- uh, token. Yeah. I worry about how addictive that is. Like I would be, I would be a sucker for this, right? I'd be a real sucker for this. Um, I do like the mm. idea that it can make draft play because I think that's, I think that's, I think that's good. And I think that's interesting. I also, I've never, I've, I would need, I would need one of you guys to be all in on this as well, because otherwise you're looking at, at trying to play locally for, for competitive play. You know, if you haven't got a buddy who's into it with you, um, but I've never been into, I've never been this close to being into anything like this when it's launched, right? So like right now, I would never try and get into Pokemon or Magic or whatever, because it's just been too far, like it's too far gone. Sure. But there, I think there is something to be said for being part of this when it becomes new and kind of being part of the community that plays it and learns how it works and mm. sees it grow. I don't know, I'm not counting myself out on this. There's maybe something interesting, but I think there's more interesting Star Wars games out there. I think the deck building game looks cool. I think Shatterpoint looks cool. Um, yeah, I don't know. It was, um, I don't know if you saw the comment from Jim Bot on the Discord um, who said about the art style as well. And it's in my immediate thought when I saw it as well is that the, the the art on this new game is quite different. It's quite cartoony. And I didn't really love it. It's the the other. Maybe it's just changed, but the, a lot of the other Fantasy Flight Star Wars art has been very similar. Uh, oh, yeah, the artwork on this, I'm definitely not a fan of. Mm. I don't, why didn't they just do photo art? I guess they can't do photo art because 
they're bringing comic characters like you know like your thrones and your stuff in i guess i guess so i reason. guess so yeah and then and then it's like what do you do with ahsoka for instance who is in the the clone wars cartoon and looks very much one way but then obviously the live action when she's in um mandalorian and her upcoming own series you know that is two very different looks so i guess you've got mm. to find some middle ground mm. um but going back to your previous point about um the deck building and this is from my experience those people who primarily play magic the gathering Yu-Gi-Oh, pokemon stuff like that they don't always branch into the world of board games you know they they've kind of got their little niche that they play in whereas the star wars deck building game looks very much to me much more along the hero realm star realms line of of games i guess the two although they're both card games because of the nature of one of them being a trading card game i think they can probably sit side by side and yeah of course there'll be some overlap but i think they'll probably tap into different markets in the same way that shatterpoint will because not all board gamers want to play mini war games excellent alrighty so that uh is six of our best from the bgg hotness we'll look forward to uh to catching in in a fortnight's time and seeing where that stands well, it's finally almost here, coming to the NEC in Birmingham on Friday the 2nd of June through Sunday the 4th of June. This is the uh, the largest UK-based board game expo, uh, now in its 16th year, um, across three halls of the NEC and as well spilling out into the, uh, the Hilton Hotel nearby. Um, I don't know about you boys, I've been to Crufts at the NEC and it's absolutely massive. Um, None of us have been to anything on this scale before, I don't believe. I think we've both we've all been to Tabletop Gaming Live, Tom and I, um, in uh, Alexandra Palace. And Paul, you went this year in Manchester, was it? Yeah, just next to uh, Old Trafford. So I know you've been to Crafts Ball because we went together. Tom, have you ever been to the NEC for a big expo like no, this? No, no, no. I've been for a meeting in the Hilton next door, but that's about it. <laughs> <laughs> I've also okay. been for uh, some woodworking expos there as well. Naturally, oh, naturally, okay. sure, yeah. Looking at the map, it's just enormous. Right? There's so much uh, table space or stand space to be walking around and so many people exhibiting in there. And I saw that interview that I sent to you guys um, from the, the guy who organised it. And it's it's the biggest one they've ever done, I think he said, in terms of number of things going on, a number of, uh, uh, of exhibitors and so on. Um, there's so much to look forward to about it, I think. The... The opportunity to be going around and, and saying doing some window shopping to be able to just go and have a look at all those things is actually one of the things I enjoyed the most um, at Tabletop uh, uh, Live when we went there is that you just don't, I don't really have a, a, a significant um, game shop anywhere near where I live. So being able to just go around all of the different games is just something exciting about doing that. Um, but, but the opportunity to demo different games, but also just being able to play them as well it's yeah, so this it's, whole thing of being able to just uh tap into their games library yeah so if it's anything like uh ttg then there's going to be loads of people demoing their games right there's going to be um there's going to be a, a, a like a, a full sit and go kind of library um i think in the in the third hall but so 
Um, what do we expect to be there in terms of like suppliers? So I guess there'll be like there'll be shops will be there. So people like Zatu and Total Cards or Chaos Cards. And yeah. um, I think uh, from looking at that map, there'll be quite a big Warhammer 40k um, mm-hmm. section. Um, but then there's also going to be people selling like dice trays and games tables. I could maybe give them some pointers. Um, there's going to be. Um, people... I will be going up to have a chat with Geek and Son to find out when my table's being delivered. <laughs> Paul, what are you uh, what are you expecting to uh, to be able to see and do? Uh, well, so Tom and I have been talking about playing some historical wargaming, um, yeah. which is something neither of us are overly familiar with, and it's one of those things that's really really massive because there are so many different sort of miniatures available unlike sort of warhammer you've got to just buy the the pre-made war warhammer miniatures and then follow the the rules same with star wars legion and uh, and other things but with the historical war game there's hundreds of different rule sets out there and then there's also hundreds of different suppliers that make their own kind of historically accurate miniatures so you're talking like bolt action rather than historical war games like like block war games Yes, yes, sorry. So miniature wargaming, like bolt action, but I think we're kind of leaning towards more like the Napoleonic era and stuff like that. So I would like to go and see some people with their miniatures and potentially have a little test game of something. Yeah. We just don't know much about it, right? So I think this is the thing that we've had a really good time in exploring the wargame side of the hobby. And so having a look at that extension of it and and seeing whether that's something that is interesting because it can be quite an expensive thing to start to get into and you know would require some painting that i've resisted all attempts by you boys so far to get me involved in but um you know just to see what what it's all about so i guess we're segueing on to uh to one of my next questions is is what is everyone most excited about all of it (laughs) that's such a great interview answer tom (laughs) do you you know it's going to be great to meet some of the more independent game designers because looking yep. at the list of mm. people there, you know, I probably only know about 20, 30% of them. So it'd be great to meet some of the more independents. But, you know, I'm just looking forward to playing a load of games at, at that big games library or some demo games at different yep. stands. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And, it, and discovering stuff as we did, I guess we were sort of more new into the wide hobby that we've been playing games for ages more sort of new into the into the hobby more generally in 2019 when we went to tabletop live but discovering as we did um escape the dark castle mm-hmm. not something we knew anything about had been out for a while and we just saw it thought it looked interesting uh had a little demo of it and, and two out of three of us bought copies yeah so discovering that side of things as well, I think, would be very cool. Um, but for ones, as you say, you don't know, but also some really big ones, though. I mean, things like going to the Osprey Games uh, stand and hopefully getting a go at Undaunted Battle of Britain would be really yep. cool. Yeah. Um, and being able to to just look at some of those other the other big guys out there, like the, the Shatterpoint, Star Wars Shatterpoint game, which we've spoken about a little bit, in the past um aries games is another one who i think are going to be there um neil you and i upcoming game of war of the ring 
Um, but there's also this War of the Ring card game. I don't need another War of the Ring game, but um, <laughs> I'm, keen, keen, I'm keen to have a go just to see what it's all about because it is meant to be uh, a very uh, a very good partner um, or, or more accessible version of that. So funnily enough, I put that down as one of the games that I'm interested in uh, in trying, mm. given half a chance while we're there. And you're quite keen on the, the some of the Star Wars card games as well, I think, giving those a go, right? Yeah, so the TCG that we talked about earlier is not going to be not going to be out in any way, shape, or form. No, but the Star Wars deck builder that came out a little while ago, I'm quite keen mm. to try and um, try quite keen to try and get my hands on that. Mm. Um, so I guess that was one of my next questions: is is are there any standout games that you're hoping to try while you're there? So for me, there's the Star Wars deck builder. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a bit of a time hog, so I'm conscious, like I'm conscious that we don't want to get into anything too in depth. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've been on the hunt for Nemesis Lockdown for so bloody long now that that given a chance to give that a go, I might be half tempted. Mm-hmm. Um, Clank Catacombs, I'm tempted to try that and yep. then maybe use that as a try before I buy. I don't know mm-hmm. what else is on the menu for you, chaps. I, I think the Star Wars deck builder would probably be up there. A historical war game would be would be up there. Um, there is this big? Uh, we were talking about it, right? This huge bolt action. Uh, from Warlord Games, Bolt Action Band of Brothers yeah. game that they're doing, where you, I think, you uh, pay a little bit because it's a charity game, a few quid, and then you get to play it for an hour or something just to sort of learn the rules and see what it's all about, or look, play a scenario of it. Not not quite sure how it works, but it's a big thing that's being run. What's Alan Paul's um, company? I don't know. Alan Paul did the the, the Ming that. Emperor. Yeah, because when I was at the manchester one he had three like small box war war games right i bought two of them and i love both of them so actually i'd like to go and uh and check out the third one i'm quite keen to also have a look at two games that we've discussed on a previous episode of the podcast one is earth which is this huge new game which has been touted as the the next uh there there i say arc nova but the one that kind of takes it the next evolution further forward. I remember when I looked at it uh, as part of our six of the best, I was on a bit of a hit and miss about it, but I'm interested. It's getting a lot of hype. So interested mm-hmm. in that one. Um, and also hegemony as well. Oh, yeah. I knew you. I was hoping you were going to say that. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. Me and you, Neil, we can go and check it out. Um, is that that was a game I came so close to, to backing. And it's just, it's, I don't know. I don't know how. But I almost feel like it's a game that, as you're playing, you'd have arguments over the class war or something. But um, it would. It, it does look a, a really, really interesting game. So if there's an opportunity to just, just see it in the flesh, but have a demo, that would be cool. I, I'm sure that must be knocking around there somewhere. I've seen a lot of chat about that on the um, on the on the on the Facebook groups. <clears throat> yeah, that's made me really want to play that. I mean, I'd also. I don't. Well, I, I know that Splotter aren't there, but I wouldn't mind maybe trying to have a go at Horseless Carriage rather than oh, really? shelling out 130 quid to buy it. But I think that's going to be one that's just going to be too big to mm. to get into while you're there. There's also going to be. I mean, there's. I think we'll chat a little bit of of, of this kind of stuff later. I'm definitely up for people teaching me games. I think it'd be a bit of a waste of time for us to sit down and pull out a rule book and be like, okay, let's work this out between all of us when there's so many games in the world, especially if we're whiling away time in the games library. I think that, that, you know, we tend to, unless it's a taught demo, then I think it'd be better to to stick to stuff that we kind of know. 
or at least one yeah of yeah, yeah i think we've had that experience when we go to um games cafes right it's when we've tried to play something that is completely new to us we've actually not had the best time of it because it's they're difficult environments to learn and read read rules i have seen <laughs> examples of the uh uh, shut up and sit down guys when they go and do that uh, an, an expo or whatever one of them just goes and sits in the corner by themselves for 45 minutes to, to read a rule book through i don't think anyone would be that that up for that so definitely yeah, like Tom. yeah. <laughs> uh can sit over there with a coffee for a bit i love that in your version of that bullet though it's uh see you later tom can you please go and read these rules for 45 minutes oh yeah i'm waving him off <laughs> <laughs> It no, takes just... me longer than 45 minutes to read a rule book, let alone understand it. <laughs> I mean, I I look forward to seeing the um the open gaming area. And I guess I guess it's going to be combined with tournament stuff. Do you know what? I've actually I've tried not to look too much at that map. I know he sent it out on the WhatsApp, mm. but I've actually tried not to look at it now because I, I think I just kind of don't mind being a little bit surprised. I think this, this is our first time going to this, and I hope hope there'll be future times. Um, it's quite a nice thing to discover it, right? Yeah. Um, I think in future years, when we learn a bit more about what we're doing and become a bit more clear on uh, what we want to do, then we might have more of a plan. I'm certainly a planner as an individual, but um, I think for the first time, just going and experiencing it, and as well because we, we're not particularly, I don't think any of us, um desperate to do any tournaments necessarily or see any of the live shows i mean i'm not making an assumption is uh any either of you particularly interested in in the tournaments i know neil you were knocking around it a little bit i thought it might be fun to to, to have a go at something like that in that sort of environment mm-hmm. i'm looking at the games i don't know if there's anything that that really stands out that i'd want to do it right. might have been fun like now that i've seen that there is an armada tournament it might be fun to just do a little 400 pointer for armada yeah i saw uh who owns it now atomic mass is it mm-hmm. um we're doing there's a legion uh, an x-wing and an armada tournament it might have been interesting that i suppose i wonder if paul might have been tempted by the um the unmatched tournaments yeah i, was I reckon that. that'd be quite good fun Oh, I was very tempted by the unmatched tournaments. Um, I think I'm actually, I think because it's the first time, I'm potentially just going to give the tournaments a miss. The other thing is, I'm actually not very competitive when it comes to playing. Yeah. And and especially with strangers and, sure, you know, in, in the... You get paired with that uber competitive individual. Yeah. And... <laughs> And I'm I'm just not interested enough for that. Mm. Um, I would love to do like a tournament of, you know, because within our wider friendship groups, we've got a lot of people that play board games. Mm. Yeah. And it would be great to arrange like a knockout tournament of, I don't know, something like memoir or, you know, where the games don't necessarily take too long. Hammer the Scots. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but just within our friendship groups for a laugh, but right, yeah, you're right. I don't want to be paired with that guy who's like so competitive. Is you know, I mean, we all want to win a board game, but you know what I mean? Is like that uber like, yeah, 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 yeah. I think you've hit the nail on the head that maybe, uh, maybe, maybe the sort of thing that you might do in future years, maybe 
something that I saw that I liked the idea of is that apparently, um, like in the open play area in the games library, mm -hmm. a lot of the tables have got like these trifold cards that you can put on the top of your table to say like got you know we've the you know we have space for one player sort of thing, and that's quite nice, right? Because it is nice meeting new people over games. Oh, absolutely. yes, yeah, yeah. Um, and I think there are a lot of people that that would come to this sort of thing on their own or in small numbers. So I think mm. being able to, I think that's a really, really good facility. The things about going to an expo like this is it's not really about going to play the two player games. I mean, quite happy maybe going to do that for a bit, but um, playing games with lots of people. And it's an, an interesting one is that I have heard that not as well as having the games library is people do bring games to uh to the expo which is which is an interesting one because you'd imagine there's there's so much there and you know talking about games with other people provisionally arranged um i hope a game with uh somebody from uh the discord channel to who's a, a big fan of june imperium and he says that he doesn't manage to to get uh games of it um because it, you know you only need three four players and i think it's uh and, and himself and his partner who 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 plays games with so I think that'd be a great thing. We love that game. It's fairly quick. Um, you know, we, them and, and maybe a couple of us have a game. That, that'd that be great. Um, we yeah. just have to hope there's a copy of June Imperium knocking around somewhere. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm sure there will be. Yeah. But for anyone listening, for our, our one listener out there, <laughs> if you see us at the expo, we will quite happily play a game of whatever you like. Absolutely. Yeah, 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 yeah. So it is a thing that I think people do, as well as having the games library, right? Is people do bring games to play as well. Um, is that something that we want to do? I wouldn't I wouldn't say bring anything to the expo, but I'll definitely bring some games to the cottage. But what I've also seen, do you remember at like TTG, you could see a few people who bought a game and then were like legging it to the <laughs> to the open play area <laughs> so they could un unwrap and punch their new game. So what uh if we if we were all limited to to one say one big game and one maybe two silly little filler games what would you guys bring to the cottage tom you've got to no. be far in the lake haven't you without answering for so, you yeah far in the lake is the top of the, of, uh, the list in my notes here it's not really a small game as the second but i said viticulture i just really like the, the opportunity of just having a fairly relaxed time glass of wine uh at the end of the, the expo day and, and some simple work placement and then i've chucked yeah. a sushi go party onto that as well it was a very very easy uh simple game to play oh yeah that's a good shout of my one bigger game i'm probably tempted to bring uh wayfarers of the south tigris mm, great. i enjoyed it when we played it a couple of months ago but i felt it took me to the end of the game to work out what was going on sure and yeah, so and you've had a couple of solo runs now eh uh, yeah, I've had a couple of solo runs, so I think I understand it a bit better. Um, and then for my smaller games, I will probably bring Ghost Blitz, which I know is one of Tom's favourites. Um, <laughs> is that White Ghost Blue Book? Yes. Yeah. yeah brain okay. so that, brain that was at the top of my list, and I was kind of, I'm envisioning, because I think the, the plan is, right, that we'll we'll finish at the Expo on the Saturday and head over to the Curry Triangle and have a have a curry and a couple of beers and decompress but i can i can i'm just imagining a, a sort of a three or four pint ghost blitz going down i think mm. that'd be quite 
fun. <laughs> sounds amazing. I, over the Sarg Masala. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, okay. So for my big one, uh, and I think you both need some getting on board with this, but I'm going to bring it anyway, and if I can whittle you down over the course, I am desperate to play Battlestar Galactica. <laughs> this was on the um this was on the list of things that i wanted to buy uh, and i've actually managed to land a copy um in the run-up to uh to the expo so uh so paul's picking it up this week hopefully well paul you've already mentioned my uh my small uh small filler game but um <laughs> cockroach poker i guess i'll put in instead yeah that'd be a good yeah, one. Oh, actually i'll tell you tom what i'd like to play yours is the fuzzies okay <laughs> I'll add it to the list. Yeah, because midnight Saturday fuzzies. Yeah, it, more because and and actually to take us back to the expo, more because I'm always looking for like that next family yeah. after dinner twenty minute game. I know my kids are getting older, but they still enjoy like a game of Rhino Hero or you know mm-hmm. something like that. Yeah, fuzzies. I've definitely heard you've been very positive about it, and I'd like yeah. to get it. But going back to the expo. They've got a big, like, children-focused area. Yeah, yeah, I've seen that. Um, I hope it's not like... I hope adults can go without children, um, (laughs) because otherwise it's going to look weird. Are you guys... Sorry, taking us back to the expo a bit, but are you guys interested in seeing any... There's going to be so many talks and things going on. Um, Are you interested in seeing any of that at all? Again, I haven't looked at the full schedule. I saw that Shut Up and Sit Down were doing a couple of live plays. There's some... Uh, like producer and designer interviews I think I think I might be inclined to maybe you know if we're passing and and I'm like oh that's that guy from that guy I think I think I might be half inclined to to stop and lend an ear for a little bit I think yeah, that on tabletop guys are there as well aren't they they are they are yeah um yeah who are a funny set of blokes as well um there's obviously uh for for anyone listening who's not already aware there is a very very handy app um that will be available on the uh, on the app store the UK games Expo app. Ah. check that out it's also worth saying for for whatever reason the expo map isn't amazing but the guy there's a guy on twitter um at unfringed things who has redone the map and then put annotated there yeah um which looks a lot more usable than the actual ukge one i'm I'm not quite sure why game changer um We've on on our Twitter account and on Instagram. We will re retweet and what you do on Instagram re post link share. to who knows who knows you, you just do something don't you? He I just, it and I'll come. I would just like to say we're not stealing anyone's content, especially from any like the Mississippi uh, uh, Craft Fair twenty twenty seventeen. Yeah. Um, we are, you know, go go to his his account to get your map and and things like that. I, you know, I don't want another turf war like we had last time. Yeah, there are too many casualties. <laughs> oh, well, I tell you what, though, if we walk past, um, for an hour, I'm looking at the map now and said weren't going to, but just had a look, ruined it already. He's going to Osprey Games. Osprey yeah. Games, we love Osprey Games, and going and having a look at their. What's their new sort of work placement? Um, general orders. So their new yes. game, uh, general orders. 
um, which is not going to be for sale, I don't think, but they're going to do demo versions of it. But just an example of another great game that they, they've got out there. And I, there's others that I've been really tempted with in the past. And so there's opportunity to try something like, I think it's called Crescent Moon, um, which is a, a sort of Middle Eastern um, uh, caliphate set asymmetric game. I'd love to have a go at that one. Um, and they just do such quality stuff. It'd be very difficult, I think, to walk away um, from the Osprey games um, section without buying something. So the other one that I was uh, tempted by just with the, the sit and play, and again, I don't know if I'd do it on this expo or maybe another one, I would really, really consider a game of Blood on the Clock Tower because I think we talked about this in the in the, um, in the the hotness. I think it's like, I think it's expo only to try and get 25 players together. Yeah, Surely, yeah, that would be a good fun one to play. There's also the there's also the whole bring and buy thing, right? Where you can you can you can sign board games in that you intend to sell. You can do that now uh, mm-hmm. in the app, so you can say, right, I've got a copy of Battlestar Galactica, good condition. I'm looking for X amount of money for it, mm-hmm. and then you drop the games off. I think from Thursday night, and then you know they they just make this giant shop. Um, and they take a commission and you you select whether you want your games back or not. So sometimes you can just say, look, I'm putting my copy of Sushi Go up and I've put it up for a tenner. And if it doesn't sell, just give it to charity sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm sure they'll take a, a commission of that as well. But I think there's normally meant to be some pretty hefty bargains. So um, I, I just do run intend- straight I, there. Right. I do <laughs> intend on making this a bit of a shopping trip, if I'm honest. So um I personally think that the first thing I'd like to do on the Friday morning is go there and see what bargains there are. And most importantly, if you come up and find us, we will be wearing our tastefully branded T-shirts. So come up and find us and say, I'm having my one. Um, The first 10 people who come and do this will be able to get one of the fabulous, fabulous, I'm having my one, limited edition mugs to take away and enjoy uh, for the rest of your days. So... Make sure you're doing that as a, as a rush on the first day um, because I'm sure our listener is going to come up and ask us for 10. Yeah. yeah. If you want, if you're ever wondering where to find us, first thing Friday in the bring and buy, I'll be there. Yeah. <laughs> Saturday afternoon in the play area and Sunday maybe having a little nap in the corner because we've got a bit overwhelmed by it all. <laughs> Well, thanks for listening, folks. Uh, we do hope you've enjoyed this episode. And if you are traveling up to UKGE, we uh, sincerely hope that we bump into you while you're there and that you have a fantastic time. Uh, I hope our uh, combined zero experience has been helpful to help you understand what you might be looking forward to. Just come and say hello as well. We, yeah. If you come and say hello and say you've listened to the podcast, we'll be very grateful. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, that's it for uh, today's episode. Uh, Don't forget, you can uh, catch up with us in our socials. You can find all of the above, as well as a link to our Discord channel at imhavingmyone.com. We've been I'm Having My One, and I hope you have yours too. I'm having my one! Before we do what we think... When you said clank, there was a load of like feedback and stuff. Could you do just a few other clanks? And we'll put clank, 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 clinkadink, clonky wonk, clankerank, clanker, clanker.
That's the end of episode bonus sorted. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs>